I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And And we we are Status Macabre. Recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Status Macabre. You're live. I know. <laughs> Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. It feels so different. Why? Well, because we've we're changing our flow. Oh, that that I thought I I didn't know what you were specifically saying. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm specifically saying. You're specifically saying. Specifically. So, yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed that fancy intro. Yeah. I love to hear your feedback on how awesome you think it is. I will not accept any other feedback. You know, I don't want to hear it's crap or it's terrible. Yeah, so it's you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Thank you. But those of you who like it, let us know. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I think it sounds awesome. And you, uh, you know, I... I have a new appreciation for the amount of work that goes into oh, doing yeah. something like that. Absolutely. We are not, we had no idea. <laughs> we had no idea. Well, I don't know about you, but I often learn lessons the very hard way. Yeah. And um, by doing it and fucking it up and then like, okay, we're not going to do I know. <laughs> hey, but that way you always remember, right? You know, and you got sometimes a really interesting story. I agree. Or, you know, um, a medical bill, depending on a medical bill. You know what happens? <laughs> You're kicked off the insurance plan. It happens. Is there a story there that I need to hear? No, unfortunately not. No, <laughs> I, I was just thinking say- worst case scenario is what I did. So <laughs> I was just thinking worst case scenario. That's all. So anyway, <laughs> moving right along. So you guys, we're going to pick up with the second part of Joe Arity. Yeah, I don't think we have any interesting business going on. No. It's cold as piss here. Oh, we it snowed? And it snowed here in South Kakalaki, which we, never happens. So let me tell, let me tell you what happened. Last weekend, we also had this snow. Wintry mix. Wintry mix, and it never happened. So last right. week ago, literally, I think today, right? It was yep. tomorrow, right? It was supposed to be wintry mix and I'm like oh whatever and I hate that stuff oh my I don't God, like too. the snow I don't want even cold rain just leave me alone and give me sun and, and 75, degree. 75 degrees exactly so last weekend I was like whatever it's not happening so yesterday oh you I was like it's not happening and I but the more I watched the weather and as the day went on I was like okay hashtag it's happening it's happening I know it will but I still was like like I'm falling on the sword over and over again because yep. I didn't want to admit. Well, they started calling me. A- <laughs> they started calling me AccuCarry. AccuCarry? Who? Like, Accu- people weather? at work? <laughs> people that I, anybody, like, oh. well, uh, a couple people at, uh, at Wings, oh, right? okay. And then it just carried over and everybody's like, how you doing AccuCarry? I'm like, whatever. It's not going to, you know. <laughs> AccuCarry. And, and as somebody comes in from outside and I guess there's like, it started to, um, it wasn't snowing because mm-hmm. I grabbed, had a couple drinks, yep. grabbed some dinner yep. and went home. But the water was actually starting to freeze, freeze. on the car. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, hurry up, make whatever, make my shit. And, like, and so I got to go. It was even when I was literally, literally watching the ice form on the cars. You were still saying I was it's, still not like, gonna it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I got I got four or five people sending me text messages and Facebook it messages. Hello, it happened. That's okay. hilarious. 
Okay. Yeah, we had about two and a half inches. Well, it's all gone now. Yeah, it is. That's what it, that, well, I mean, if that's the only good thing about South Carolina and snow, it is gone the next day. My yard is flooded. Oh, well, that's not good, but you know. You know, I mean, not, it, it, it doesn't do well. The water doesn't drain very well over, over at right. my place anyway. Yeah. But it is, uh, it is definitely the snow melting is nice and soupy. It's gross. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was beautiful for a few minutes. And it was, then this morning it was pretty. Yep. You know, when nobody and then all the kids came out and I was like, oh man, ruin it. Yeah. My, my uh, husband was like thinking that I was upstairs watching TV really loud. And so he paused the TV downstairs and he was like, oh, nope, those are kids. Cause they were all over <laughs> like everywhere screaming and yelling and going ballistic because yeah. they had probably never had seen snow most of the kids around my neighborhood are really small so oh well that's I don't know if that's good or bad I guess it's good right because they can't go and like damage your mailboxes we had somebody oh, yeah, drive no. around with a bad oh, right smash yeah no. mailboxes which I'm like hello Grow the up. 80s is calling I know that nobody 80s. does that shit anymore <laughs> dumbass <Idiot. laughs> <Right>? that's funny <laughs> I mean yeah do I, don't I thought that was a thing that happened in the 80s. 80s. I think so. Yeah. And you're on your huffy bike and you stop by and right. you swing. Yeah. But remember the bikes with the big banana? Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we digress. Definitely So anyway, we're excited about the snow that it melted. And I, um, I, you know, I did take a little recording of it this morning and send it to Patrick. I was like, okay, it I is guess pretty. it's pretty. That's literally what yeah. I said. And then I was like, but I still don't like it. Me either. I hate it. I'm ready to be in the tropics somewhere. Oh, so, and I'll be in Orlando next week, and it's mid-70s, which I didn't think it was going to be that warm. Um, there's not any, you know, there's not a beach around, but I'll take the weather. Oh, my God. Anything that is better than here. <laughs> 41 degrees, guys. 41. It sucks. It got to, what did it say? It's 32 degrees, but it feels like it's 26 Yeah, screw that. Something. <laughs> like, what? Screw it. Anything below 70 is cold. Just... I think so. Admit it. People were like, 60s? I'm like, no. No, we don't want I 60s. want it in the 60s. I want it in the... It was, I, I, if I preferred in like the high 80s, 90s, but you know, <laughs> and I will take sweating my ass off over freezing your ass off. Yes. I just can't deal with it. I started to get the hives and shit. My cousin was like, um, we're not doing so well down here. The, you know, they live in Florida. I'm like, yeah. why? She's like, it's 52 degrees. I'm like, what? Yeah. It, <laughs> Yeah, what? that's cold for them. This um, cold spell or whatever mm-hmm. they call it, like apparently cold front, yeah. cold front impacted from, you know, I think all the way up the East Coast to, mm-hmm. I don't know how far, but several, several states. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's recap. So now we're done with the weather report. Let's get into <laughs> it. <laughs> and by the time you guys listen to this, you're going to be like, when the hell was this snow? I know. Right. I know. Fast forward. <laughs> good 10 minutes so i'm gonna quickly recap uh what we just really high level what we talked about last week last week um which part one of joe arity so joe arity was the is the gentleman who unfortunate gentleman who essentially is wrongly convicted uh for the rape and murder of a couple of different women yeah, two little or yeah, two girls, right? Right. Yeah. Um, well, one one young girl and right. then one older woman. Yeah. And he definitely has some challenges mentally, 
don't know what his diagnosis is. I think we could probably debate that all day long. But he was very low IQ. He really couldn't speak in complete sentences. And even up and into his 20s, he enjoyed playing with toy cars. So he really wanted to please other people. He escaped or ran away from the mental institution that he was in, the state hospital that he was in, and just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. A sheriff in a neighboring county, Sheriff Carroll, I believe. That is correct. Picked him up. And at that time in the, you know, in the late 20s and early 30s, there was a, a lot of different language that they chose to use for his particular situation and his mental capabilities. Oh, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. I can't bring myself to even no, say it. Yeah. No. Um, so essentially what happened is, you know, I think that Sheriff Carroll is a shitty sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely a shitty sheriff. Say that really <laughs> Oh, by the way, I've got some buttons, you guys. That one was fun. It's so funny because when Chrissy's over here, she's going to have access to these buttons, too. I know. Y'all just wait. I'm I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I can't wait for something to happen so I can push this button. Yeah, I so, know. Um, anyway, so, uh, so Sheriff, Carol, who is Sheriff shitty. Carol has you know found him. They've scooped him up. He basically, I think, strong-armed him into a confession, mm-hmm. asked leading questions, uh, had him in a room by himself and interrogated him and poor Joe Arity. I don't think he knew what the heck was going on. It doesn't sound like he knows much. Right. (laughs) And I also think that Sheriff Carroll wanted his 15 minutes of fame, if you will, because if you recall last time, the railroad detectives picked Joe Arity up for loitering at a, a railroad yard. And during questioning, they realized that Joe was feeble-minded. Um, and, you know, Carol integrate, interrogates him for about an hour and a half. And then he essentially concludes that he's a murderer. He calls Sheriff Grady and Pe- Pueblo and then calls the press. So Joe's confession in a matter of, I think, 24 hours is literally plastered on the front page. That's so just awful. I for not just him, but his family. We all know. I mean, his family is a little I different just got as well. Bumps because <laughs> yeah. you know, Chrissy, it it still happens today. Oh, I've and no doubt it does. You know, the last several your couple of your episodes yeah. recently, and one of mine, and it's just it's 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 crazy. So, Carol Sheriff Carol said that Joe voluntarily confessed to the attack. At the Drain residence. So if you remember Drain, it was Barbara Drain, the young girl. Mm -hmm. When asked why he killed the older girl, he was quoted saying, just for meanness. All of this is according to Sheriff Carroll. After bludgeoning the two girls, he assaulted the older one twice. And assaulted, he raped her. I just don't see, after everything that we've heard about this poor kid, and I'm calling him a kid. Because I, he's so feeble-minded, I think, and he's got a, a, yeah. the mind of a child, yeah. that he could even do something like that. I just don't see it. I I don't see it. I don't either. And a lot of times, I am very much who, there's not a lot of gray in my world. I very much like, well, let me listen to the facts. I'll, exactly. I'll ride the fence. Yep. But from from the very beginning with this one, I was like, oh, man. There's this, no way. Yeah. Yep. Sheriff Carroll stated that Joe gave 
three different home addresses, none of which even existed. So that should also just let you know where his mind is. Right, right. Joe did, however, accurately describe the girl's positions. So supposedly Joe shared with Sheriff Carroll Mm -hmm. how the girls were laid, how they were left, and the, you know, how the crime scene was. But I mean, which I don't believe. Well, I was going to say either it was a very generic position. Or, yeah, or on her stomach. I was going to say, oh, yeah, that's obvious. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't see him going, well, one of the legs was above her head. The exactly. arm was behind her back. And I don't feel like even he would be able to be that detailed to exactly. describe something that way. The so man, I feel like it was totally, yep, uh, on her back or on her stomach. Well, and this is why I said leading questions. And I honestly can't remember if I read this or if I just am saying this on mm-hmm. my own based on my own uh, well, just based on the facts that I read. Right. But I'm sure Sheriff Carroll was like, so when you found her on her stomach, she was whatever or, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely a leading question. Mm-hmm. Her clothes were off, weren't they? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, he, uh, so again, supposedly, right, allegedly, he accurately describes the girls' positions, the PJs that they had on, their undergarments, um, and other details of the home, but at no time could he give an indication of an address or where they lived. Sketch. Yeah, well, I was going to say that's definitely sus. <laughs> yep. <laughs> definitely sus. You don't even know. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. They were laying on their back. Okay, but where do they live? I don't know. I, don't I mean, to me, that wouldn't add up. I mean, exactly. Again, S- shitty sheriff. Sh- I like that. Shitty sheriff. <laughs> Shitty Sheriff Carroll. I, I like it. Say that three times fast. First, he told she- he told the sheriff that he had beaten them with the club. Then he claims to have used a hatchet. Afterwards, he went. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just I, I'm sorry. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Oh wait. Oh no no no. I think it was a hatchet. But you just did it. Uh, I, I just I can't remember. I, got, I don't know. It's a heavy thingy. <laughs> it's a heavy thingy. <laughs> He's close enough. (laughs) Afterwards, he went home. He buried the hatchet between the house and the barn. And another time, he says he hid it in the haystack. He's all back then. Yeah, there were haystacks. You guys, I'm assuming. I mean, I feel like there's still haystacks. There's there's haystacks. Not like they call them hay. They're the the rolls out at my like where my parents are. Oh oh yeah 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 yeah. Like a haystack. I don't know that I. Maybe that's that's a a pile of hay. Is that what that is? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay yeah, I I think so. You ever heard a needle in a haystack? It's I not have. a needle. It's you it's can't not find a, a needle in a rolled ball. <laughs> like, you know. And a roll. I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna make it overly and extremely complicated the next time I say needle in a haystack. <laughs> and then I'm right. just gonna act like I didn't say what? anything weird and just watch people's expressions. <laughs> going with that. Fuck is wrong with this chick. <laughs> he then claims that when he got home, his mother his mother and his sister severely beat him and then locked him in a room upstairs for eight days. What? I, He's yeah, got a great is, imagination. This is the mentality of a, <laughs> right. of a six or a four-year-old, whatever yeah. it was that I said. Yeah. I mean, come on. This guy could not even count to eight, and <laughs> he, can't, he couldn't even form a complete sentence. And I know I've said it, and I'll say it one last time, you guys. Carol's leading the uh, <laughs> Sheriff Carol. Shitty Sheriff Carol. Yeah, he's leading leading him to the answers. Supposedly, he escapes his prison, right? This Mm -hmm. room that he's locked in (laughs) for eight days. (laughs) For eight days. Catches a boxcar out of the city and ends up in Denver, Colorado to see his brother, who is a railroader, and to look for work. He then moves on to Cheyenne, right? So this is kind of, they're trying to explain 
what the hell he did during those eight days or I was two gonna, weeks. Oh, oh, okay. Where he says he's uh, locked away for eight days. Okay. Right. Yeah. All, all, right, well, that makes sense. Right. Now, here's something I want you to pay attention to. All of these statements were made oh. in front of Sheriff Carroll and Sheriff Elmer Brown. Well, so of course. Two sheriffs. But there's more. They were probably conspiring. Absolutely. You know, so in the 30s, I would imagine, hang them high, right? Something happens. Let's go find oh, out yeah. whoever yeah. we can quick and let's, let's get that they shit don't even done. care yeah. if they've got the right person, clearly. Oh, it was a different time. <laughs> within uh, within the day or two, almost all of Joe's confessions were proven false. Sheriff Carroll stated that he did not feel Joe was a suggestible person, meaning that he did not believe Joe would say what he felt the other person wanted in order to please them. Remember how I said he would mm-hmm. allow other people to do things to him because he thought it would make them happy. Right. Yep. Um, you did. Remember. Yeah. So. That's that word allow that I had a problem with in the last. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's, it's really the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to put this together. Well, could we not just corroborate Joe's confession with what the other sheriff had said? Like, wow, that sounds like a smart idea. And yeah, Sheriff Elmer Brown, possibly not. His name was never mentioned again, and it was discovered later on, I think it was during the trial, that he was actually not in the interrogation room. So it was just Joe, and it was Sheriff Carroll. Shitty Sheriff Carroll. I want to punch the shitty sheriff. I wish he was alive so I could kick him in the balls and then put him put him back in his grave. That's really what yeah, I wish. Yeah, he is definitely shitty. Yeah. This is a media sensation, right? Clearly. Oh, anything and, in the 30s was the media right. <laughs> And, you know, you think if we have problems in the media today, you, oh. you should see the media in, in third, 1936. It's anything that they had, they would put in the paper. Well, God, yeah, because, I mean, you you had limited, if any, television, no television, right? You're, you're reading, yeah, you're listening yeah. to the radio. I think some people still didn't have electricity in the and, 30s. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking. Maybe maybe some didn't even, homes didn't have bathrooms. You need excitement, man. This is exciting. Right. This is sensational. Right. Um, and they even got to the point where some of the some of the information about the crime scene ended up in the paper as well before they had actually oh, captured. Nice. Right. Nice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's not helping matters that Sheriff Carroll is embellishing his statements for a good story as well. Uh, right. Sheriff well. Grady, who is the sheriff in Pueblo... Orders officers to the Arity resident hope, residents hoping to find some evidence, but when they arrived, they discovered there was no barn, there was no haystack, and there was no upstairs attic. So they did not find a closed-off attic upstairs. So they had, uh, you know, I think some rooms, but not an attic. Right. The remaining Arity family members swore they had not seen Joe in six years since he was sent to Grand Junction. Remember, the family had moved a few, time, a few times before actually settling in another residence, but still in the area. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that Joe would have even known where, where to go. To go right? I was going to say, so much and, less being locked in a room for eight days. And unless you have his address, like, <laughs> written tattooed. on his arm or something, yeah. I doubt he would not have made it there. I, also, I agree. Yeah. Also, Joe had no brother in Denver, and no one in the area even recalled seeing Joe. Yeah, he was definitely probably, well, you know, being a people pleaser and wanting to answer the sheriff's questions because I think he's thinking I'm helping. He's just coming out with all kind of shit. And that's right. because he's can't. 
my heart poor goes. Bra- poor baby. I, I, it it's gets horrible. even sadder. It's so sad. It gets, it gets even sadder. Like, I'll be honest with you. I will likely shed a tear because when I was uh-huh. putting this together, like my eyes are watering up now. Oh my God. I, I was like, man, I got to put this down for a minute and walk away. Cause it would just, it just hurt my heart. Yeah. And so bad. It's so sad. His entire life. Mm-hmm. is just sad to me by the time by this time hundreds of angry citizens again we're talking about 30s 1930s hundreds of angry citizens are at the airy home the police took you know they take special care to push them back and tape off the whole block again with the tape the yeah, entire the tape, block the block they yeah. had a mob mentality um, and that's really what the pueblo authorities feared they wanted to try to avoid that and they also wanted to try to um, to maintain the integrity of whatever evidence there happened to be right grady decides to take the entire arity family into custody and they really didn't say why but i can't help but think for two reasons um one they wanted they wanted to interview them Mm -hmm. but two i think it was for their safety oh from the mob yeah yeah oh that makes sense that's what i that's I mean, That's it's the just, least they could do, uh, right? Given that they've just set their, you know, son up to well, look like that, a now, buffoon. Well, so that's the other, that's the other county's sheriff, mm-hmm. right? So you've got two different counties here. Well, still, it's oh, it's a shit show. It's still, it's shitty sheriff Carol's shit show. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I had to, I had to ring the bell. <laughs> Of course, as I said it would, Joe's record from Grand Junction has now been discovered and is being circulated. Dr. Jefferson, superintendent of the mental hospital or home for defectives from which Arity escaped, told Sheriff Grady that young Joe is a bad actor and a sexual pervert. Of course, Grady used this to put a bow on his first statement with the press. Of course. This would come to haunt Superintendent Jefferson later on as he ended up having a change of heart and becomes an advocate for Joe. He really does. Somebody needs to. And thank God somebody stood up. God. What no one but what no one but Grady would expect was that Grady already had someone in custody when Sheriff Carroll made that call to him. Uh, That that he had found that the he killer. Had, yeah. He knew who the killer mm-hmm. was. Okay. His name was Frank. He's five foot, five inches tall. So just a little taller than Joe. Right. He's a Hispanic man who lived with his family about nine blocks away from the Drains residence. Okay. That seems more feasible than a poor guy who has, again, can't count to eight and, and is making up. Five million stories about where the hell he was. Right. Yeah. I I can't and 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 they just let this dude go. No, he's in custody. So they kept Frank in custody. They kept Frank in custody. Okay. Sheriff Carroll. When Sheriff Carroll called Sheriff Grady, yeah, Sheriff Grady didn't share that. Hey, that. I already have somebody. Right. Okay. Pueblo police arrested him. There's a lot of like tongue twisting type of words here, which is why I'm slowing down between these words. You're enunciating. Pueblo police arrested Frank during Dorothy Drain's funeral. And I think I said Barbara Drain earlier. It's Dorothy Drain. That's Mm -hmm. the little girl. They did this very quietly. You know how it should be done. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> so right. they also found the murder weapon at his residence. <gasps> All they wanted from him was a confession, but Frank refused to admit that he was the killer. Matter of fact, he vehemently denied it. Denied. Well, it. I would too. It's like, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm holding the axe. I didn't do it. I don't know. I don't. That I is. don't know why. It's not mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> then it all then it all hit the fan. Um, in another in and in another interrogation, um, Joe allegedly confessed to having a partner named Frank. So apparently, uh, oh, so they're they putting interrogated two him two. again. Mm-hmm. Asked him those leading questions, and then yeah, Joe's or Frank's my partner. Oh yeah, you know you know Frank, right? You know good old Frank. Frank, uh, and this essentially gave the authorities what they needed uh, to to arrest and to charge Frank. So now you have two individuals who are under arrest, and two individuals who are going to be charged. Both of which are short. Both of which, because um, remember, uh, Joe is from. He's got a darker skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got dark hair. So I, I think maybe if the lighting's not right and they're coming up from behind you. Oh, definitely. You would mistake one for the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> how did they get clued in on Frank? Well, that's good old-fashioned police work, to be honest with you. Sheriff Grady told his team to attend the funeral mm-hmm. with several investigators strategically placed to see if the killer would, would attend. Uh, one of the officers saw Frank hanging around the crowd of the family and friends that were mourning. Um, he had overalls on. Apparently, he was very, uh, he was dressed rough. He looked a little dirty. He was completely out of place at the funeral. The officer had a gut feeling that he could not ignore. And while he was trying to think of a way to go and interact with with Frank, Frank walked right over to him. <laughs> He walks, he walks yeah. over to the officer. Of course, he didn't know he was an officer. Mm-hmm. He tells him that he wants to find Riley. That's Dorothy's father. Of course, the officers were there that were there. They were all suspicious. And they had a couple of them. You know, they had a couple of questions for Frank. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, they were all undercover. Frank did not suspect that he was talking to the police the whole time. They are able to determine Frank worked for Riley on a project also, that he had been to the Drain's house, and he knew both of the girls by their first name. Mm, interesting. Exactly. Yeah. The investigators made the decision to arrest Frank. His strange, accent, his strange actions and responses at the funeral bumped him to the very top of the suspect list. Because they did have a suspect list, um, but they really didn't have much in the way of evidence prior to this happening gotcha um and frank had actually been on the list um and they you know and he was on the list because they were checking if this could potentially be a revenge killing yeah oh okay yeah Yeah. something okay on the third day after the murders now keep in mind we're only at day three something happened that placed frank at the top of the suspect list it was something that they considered to be more odd than anything else Frank approached Riley and handed him a few nickels and told him they were from his mother. Okay. And that she thought they would be helpful for the family. And, of course, Drain thought this was really weird, Mm -hmm. and he reported it to the police. Okay. Now Frank is in custody, completely denying any involvement, even though they find the murder weapon. I know, I like that. I don't know what that is. And he's looking like more, he's looking more and more like the man that they really needed to, the only man that they needed to have in custody. 
Yes. We know that forensics were light years away at that point, right? They're not going to be able to run DNA or anything like that. But they did get pretty crafty with the hatchet, and they found that they found in Frank's residence, and they believed, they were very close to believing that this was the murder weapon. I don't think without forensics you could say 100% that it was. But uh, they took pictures of the victim's head, um, and they enlarged it. And when they did that, you could see very specific nicks, marks oh, in the head. Match. Yeah. And okay. and then they matched that up to the axe. So they got, you know, I'm I'm sure there were some really smart people in 1936, but I feel like this was like this amazing is, for them. I was going to say, this is brilliant. <laughs> this is brilliant. Damn brilliant. <laughs> All this coming from the Pueblo Police Department. Um, the Pueblo Police Department, gosh, I'm going to start saying the the, the PP department. <laughs> That's probably easier. Right. The PP department. <laughs> they basically felt that they had a solid case against Frank. Uh, well, nearly. They were only missing the confession. And that's when Joe stepped in and helped and him with so that. And so he just glued it all together because he somehow knew a Frank. Because I, Frank was probably not a popular name at all in the 30s. <laughs> right. Every other dude was probably named Frank. Like everybody here, Bar- uh, I was about to say Barrett, David. Oh, yes. Or Mike. Yes. Or John. Robert. Yes. Or, yeah. So Frank, I'm assuming, was a, a very popular name. Popular name, yeah. Definitely. You're absolutely right. Suddenly, all the facts from Frank and Joe are being pulled together very quickly, where it looked like Pueblo police put some time and effort into their investigation. The Cheyenne PD, Sheriff Carroll, shitty Sheriff Carroll. Shitty Sheriff Completely Carol. bamboozled Joe. I yeah, couldn't think did. of a better word than bamboozled. It's kind of a fun word to say. It is. I like it. It's bamboozled. I feel like I'm in the 30s. I know. <laughs> Just because you said that. I know. I feel immersed. Do you feel it? I do. The 30s are all coming back. It's an immersion. It's, it's an, an immersion, immersion podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Here immersion. at the Immersion Studios. I kind of like that. Ooh, I like it. You know, shortly after all of this, Frank finally broke and confessed. And his confession which was signed with an X because I don't think anybody in the thirties had an education, knew how to read or write their name. <laughs> you just to make it that you're making that exception yes. altogether. What about the doctors? That's a stretch, right? Like lawyers. I, I mean, I just jumped right off the cliff with that one. I know, but <laughs> I am so tired of people not knowing how freaking old they are, not knowing how to sign their names, not knowing that, you know, that children come from having sex, whatever. I'm tired of it. <laughs> You know, one of the things that I say when I'm really pissed off because I do believe in karma is I'll say, I hope your kids never learn how I, to read. I know. You always say that. And I feel really bad now because this is truly an and example. This is, what, this people, is, this example. is what happens. See, somebody said that. Now they feel really bad. Maybe. <laughs> it appears that Joe was not there when this confession took place. And the, and the confession, by the way, was five pages long. And it was signed by an ex. So this guy wrote his confession and then signed, with an signed it with because an ex. Because he didn't know how to write. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is very ironic. And supposedly in this confession, Frank does implicate Joe. And of course, during this time, the entire confession was put where? <laughs> in the newspaper. No shit. In the fucking newspaper. Dark. Yes, ma'am. Well, I don't understand why the hell that would happen. I don't understand why you would. Well, I mean, I get why you put it in the paper, but I guess it's just why would you put the entire confession in there? That just seems to me like that would happening. I guess that would screw with the trial, right? Either it's either that or Nancy's knitting posse on Thursday nights, or the (laughs) or the (laughs) you know like (laughs) what what whatever happens on at church. I don't know what they wrote about in the '30s. So if it wasn't Mary, Mary went to 
Sally's for the week, and we don't know what they did, but so, they're just friends. <laughs> so maybe the newspaper in the 30s was our TikTok. Oh, it was it was Everything definitely Facebook. Goes in there, like nobody gives a shit about any of it. Thank you. <laughs> they just there. yeah. Well, and doing my genealogy stuff, I go to newspapers.com and yeah. like I read these old papers from like definitely smaller towns in South Carolina, Georgia, you wherever. You see some of the stuff. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Selma Sue's feeling much better after she vomited on Tuesday. That's great. And you know, people are on the edge of their seat just going, oh my God. I can't wait till tomorrow's paper. I know. I wonder if she stopped puking. <laughs> Walk your fat ass over there and ask. <laughs> it's just fabulous. I love it. I love it. In 1936, they did not waste time getting to a trial. And by December, Frank's testimony began. It lasted about a week and actually over the weekend, um, except for Sunday. So they actually worked on Saturday, mm -hmm. you know, they rested on the Lord's day and then they went back to work on Monday. I thought that was uh pretty interesting. That is. <laughs> <laughs> makes so much sense. She's like, yeah, it's super interesting. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> um, and of course, Frank was found guilty. Then they moved was. on to another trial. Remember the trial of the two other women who had been attacked mm -hmm. two weeks before oh, yes. the drain girl was murdered. Yes. Frank was found guilty of that as well, and he was sentenced to death with an execution date of August, Friday the 13th, which was, ironically, just a few days before uh, Dorothy's murder. It just, and that would be the year mark. It just makes no sense to me how they could accuse this poor kid of, of killing people, attacking people, when he can't write his name. He doesn't know where the hell he was 30 minutes ago. He can't count to eight. And I, he doesn't know how to sign his name. And I think, and I think I put um, eight. I think eight, eight was a little bit of a stretch. I don't think he could get to six actually. But yeah, he, point I mean, taken. It's just, he couldn't get past single digits. No, I don't. I don't. Well, understand. now, now this is Frank. So this is the uh, this is the guy that really did it. No, I know, but it just I, I, how oh, no. he could be. Yeah. How could Joe even be a part of it? What was? And my, I guess I don't understand what is Sheriff Frank Carol saying, kept pushing it. I know, but what is Frank saying that Joe did? I don't. That uh, would be interesting to know. I and you, I'm not saying. I think you know, we but. get into maybe a little bit of it. Yeah. But what in the? I actually, I actually have the book. Oh yeah, you. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's the deadly. Yeah, and innocence. I want to give you know, and I, I don't remember if I said this, but it's Deadly Innocence by Robert Persk. There's about seven or so pages in here of the Q&A mm -hmm. that they asked and uh, to, to both Frank and to Joe. Oh, okay. And so it's, um, it's, it's pretty interesting, but he tries to put them in wherever he can, you mm -hmm. know, and then you can actually read the questions that Carol, Sheriff uh, Carol was not with Frank, but with Joe. You with can Joe actually, Joe. Like, why would you ask that question, you idiot? But, mm. Um, okay, so he was found guilty. Mm -hmm. He and you know they didn't waste time back then. I don't even know that they had an appeals process. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so you're dying today, right? I mean, they gave him eight months because he the the mm -hmm. trial thing started in December, and now he's not going to be executed until August. Which, like I said, a few days before the Dorothy drained little girl's murder mm -hmm. on the Thursday before his execution. This was sad. Um, and during a meeting with the warden, whose name was Roy Best, Frank, uh, Frank said that he shed many tears. And then he explained, and I'm quoting here, my tears are not for me. They are for my mama and for my wife and my three babies. I know I'm going to die Friday night. 
I will be prepared. I will go bravely with a smile on my lips. End quote. After this statement, the Warren said he became really calm and he was impassive. Like, well, I mean, he he's the one that actually did it. He's the one that actually killed these people. He is. And I I guess, you know, why cry about it? You're the dumbass that did it. And then and then let me let me just it just it, to me that's manipulative. Then, yeah. It yeah, it there's there's some but you know what? He also probably was like shit got real, right? He yeah. he never th- I, I well, I'm assuming he never thought that he would ever get caught. But he did these I mean, in his neighborhood, nine blocks. Oh no, away. I was gonna say right. And next then to he him. stayed. Like, get on a train, dummy. Yeah, leave. I'm not condoning this type of behavior, but <laughs> but let me tell you how to do it. If I were gonna do it, it out a little bit better, because this makes for a shitty story. Nobody would do a story on you, Frank. Just FYI. Yeah, I was gonna say this is about Joe Arity. You just happen to be in it. Exactly, Frank's Frank's, Frank's dumb. He's basic. It's you're basic. basic. <laughs> you're fucking basic. <laughs> The next day, and this is kind of hurts my heart because as a mother, this is the part that would, I don't even want to think about it. But mm-hmm. the next day he said goodbye to his mother, his wife, and his children. And at the time, of course, I don't know anything about it. I don't know that these things are or are not allowed. But at the time, the family was allowed to come into that that death hall where, where all right, the death, right. mate in, mm-hmm. uh, uh, death row inmates were. Um, and while he was standing in front of his cell, the warding... <clears throat> the warden is reading the death warrant and Frank's mother just collapses right there on the floor. Frank completely ignores her and he continues <gasps> listening to the warden. Oh, cause yeah, my tears are for my mother, my ass. Yeah. My mom just collapsed, but I'm sorry. Keep going. Dude, I would be, <laughs> I'd be like, I'd, I'm trying to buy time. I'm going to find out what happened to my mom and my mom and I don't get along. I, know, but I, I was, was going to say, I'd be in hysterics. I, I, I'd anything, be a mess. To, anything to like draw this out. I yeah. Uh, soon they began to walk to the top of Woodpecker Hill. This was the highest hill in the grounds of the jail. There, of course, are witnesses that uh, that were watching him walk, and you know, watching him walk his final walk. But even more chilling is the view all of the other death row inmates have, because oh. they can look out of their cell and through watch. the window, and they can see Frank or any prisoner essentially take their final walk oh god that would be unnerving (sighs) that would be unnerving during his walk he is remembering the pack he made with another death row inmate we shall raise black seed watermelon sheep and hogs corn and vegetables on our farm in heaven oh and kill little girls and yeah and and rape little girls in heaven too yeah he was executed he was executed he was executed (laughs) Whatever that means. (laughs) He was executed in the gas chamber on August 13th, 1937. Goody. Because he was a shithead. I had to put him in here, but I really didn't want to give him this much time. But he got got his, what, six minutes? I was going to say he got his two pages. Two pages. (laughs) So what about Joe? They had not forgotten about him, unfortunately. His defense attorney, Fred, decided the only way he really could defend him was with a sanity trial. Hopefully they would determine him insane or not mentally fit mm-hmm. to stand trial and they would sentence him to a state hospital. Right. So instead of death row. Right. So he could be cared for at least. Yeah. Because from the day he was born, well, uh, and from the day, honestly, that he came home from school when the principal called and said, your son's no longer welcome at our school because he can't learn. <laughs> he, he can't, can't count. <laughs> he can't count the eight. He's been on his own, I would say, since then, which is yeah. terrible. Yeah. After several after several therapists were called to the stand, the judge actually called on Joe. 
And here he answered as best as he could almost seven pages of questions. So there's no way that I could have gone, uh, added them all to this. Mm-hmm. But I pulled out a few that I thought would help our listeners get a better understanding of his mental capacity. So the question, uh, when, did you get at, when did you get out of the Grand Junction Hospital? I don't know. Do you know who Frank Roosevelt is? I don't, I don't guess I know. <laughs> I don't guess I know. That's how I kind of envision that. <laughs> There's no punctuation in that, right? Yeah, it's like, just, uh, I don't guess on. I know, I don't, right? I Which sounds really weird. It's not like, I don't guess. Yeah, no, it's the words are put, or the, yeah, words are put together wrong in the sentence. So what is that? That's five, I mean, is that a sentence? Yeah, that's five words. I don't guess I know. Right. Yeah. Or maybe you could say it, I don't guess, I know, right? Maybe, I guess, yeah, maybe I, he was like that. Do you, have you ever heard of George Washington? No. Do you know what this hearing is about? No. Do you do you know Dorothy Drain? No. Do you know any of these police officers? No. Do you know Frank? No. Do you like girls? Pretty good. <laughs> so this poor kid, he cannot, he has no idea who anyone is. Once again, I said he probably doesn't even know his own damn name. He clearly doesn't. I don't remember seeing that question, but that would have been good. And I'm, yet he gave a full confession about, and he knew exactly how bodies were left. Dude, you know what? The shitty Cheryl Carol should be shot in the head. I don't know he is a dip. how you could That's, sleep at night. Thank you. I, like, if even if I had participated in, like, <sighs> a day, right. I, I would not allow this to continue. I can't. It's painful just listening to me talk about it. It is. It is. I can't. I just don't understand how in the hell that and somebody else did not speak up and say, this is not right. And that's the one I could not, I truly tried to find what his family was doing. Cause they've time. all been, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, everybody's been complacent mm-hmm. in, in, um, I'm not complacent, complicit with each other in, in convicting this poor guy. Yeah. And so they're all guilty in my head. Yeah. The whole, the whole County, two counties worth they're uh, Yeah. Um, he cannot correctly write his name, nor does he know the correct color of his shirt. He can't really count past six when this case goes to the jury to decide if he is sane or insane. And I get it. Uh, I'm not sure that I can, and I believe that he's completely insane, but he's got mental issues. Limitations. Limitations. Thank you. They do eventually rule that Joe did in fact know right from wrong and legally declare him sane. Oh which, my. Which I don't, I don't agree with. Well, and I, I mean, you can be uh, unintelligent, but know the difference between white and wrong. And, and under, right. and trying to listen in several cases in the past, you know, I've been interested in how they determine in whether somebody's mentally capable of knowing right and wrong versus not. And, and in most cases, it's almost impossible for somebody to not know right from wrong. Right. But it's their intent. It's the, it, there's multiple things that play into mm-hmm. determining that. And so it can't always be white and black. Well, I don't think they had an clue about what that looked like in 1936 or seven or whenever that was. Right. Cause I can know it's right <laughs> and wrong, but you know, at the time I, I didn't know because of my mental capacity. Yeah. Especially if I'm mentally ill. Yep. Uh, exactly. I think you're 100% correct. 
And he was never allowed to speak for himself again in the courtroom after this. Now, whether or not that was from a decision from his attorney mm-hmm. or the judge or whatever, it didn't please the court and it never happened again. Right. On April 12, 1937. Okay, so it is almost a year, right? Mm-hmm. Joe's trial begins, and for the entire trial, Joe, a small, shy, nonviolent man, sits facing forward, almost frozen. He never spoke. He really didn't have a lot of emotion. I envision him just being extremely timid and shy and unsure of what the heck is going on. They call Sheriff Carroll to the stand. He has no notes, no records of any kind, but somehow he remembers the exact questions and all the questions that he asked Joe during his interrogation. And again, the leading questions. Mm -hmm. And here's one of them. Well, Joe, you like girls pretty well, don't you? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Uh... Damn sure do. I damn sure do. (laughs) I don't guess I know, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's sad, though. (laughs) Took me a minute to find the button. (laughs) I was like, that's a little late. It's okay. We'll let it. We get it. We'll allow it. I was like, oh, my God, where's the laughter button? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty terrible. And even though that's a pretty generic question it is it's leading it's a leading question no, well yeah yeah it is it's not like leading um you know well he's just taking his own words and using them again yep. and and ah oh. yep uh sheriff carroll also testified that joe described how he and frank left the murder scene he went to frank's house washed the hatchet hit it but he never mentioned the times he interviewed him alone Or the amount of times he interrogated him. And so did they ever go to like dig up the hatchet? Yeah, they did. Remember? Because they they zoomed in and they compared the... Oh, that's right. Okay. So, but he knew where the hatchet was, which is interesting. Supposedly. But I... I I mean, don't you find that aspect a little bit telling? um, I think if I... Now I don't. Mm -hmm. Only because of the type... Like, I don't know how he asked that question. Like, well, where just, did you guys hi- find that? Where yeah. did you guys hide the hatchet? Or in, yeah. in what hay bale or whatever the hell it's called? Mm-hmm. Did you put hay the stack? hatchet in? But it was, it wasn't found. Fa- it was found in Frank's house. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm just curious. I don't believe anything that came out of that sheriff's that mouth. That came out of that sheriff's mouth. No, I agree. I, I, I truly, right. like if this had been somebody who didn't have the mental capacity, the mental disabilities mm-hmm. that Joe had, I would be right where you're at. I truly would. I was just trying Mm -hmm. to put it all together, you know, because you don't want to think that law enforcement had it so wrong that it was on purpose, you know. And at this, in in my opinion, this is all on purpose. I mean, obviously, it was not mistakes. Well, it was on purpose. My my thought here is that Sheriff Carroll at some point realized that he screwed the pooch and then he wanted to make it stick because he didn't want to look like he didn't know how to do his job. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was was definitely on purpose and it was targeted. Exactly. And it's... They they also never allow Frank's final confession to be entered in evidence. (laughs) There was apparently another confession Frank made after his conviction, but before his death date... Mm -hmm. And basically, this was the true confession, and he claimed he never met Joe, he was not involved, and he had no idea who he was, and this was not allowed in court. 
That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. That is fucked up. I mean, Frank's telling everyone, okay, well, this guy really didn't have mm-hmm. anything to do with it. That's the only bit of respect that he gleaned from me is like mm-hmm. he finally said uh, he wasn't involved. Right. And I think by then it was it was too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know who had the confession at that time. Mm-hmm. Like whether it was the Sheriff Grady in Pueblo or if it was the Cheyenne, the shitty Sheriff Carroll. Mm-hmm. We all get the picture here, right? Poor police work and a good old boy network will get you the gas chamber. <sighs> and that's that's me saying that. Damn good old boy. <laughs> I hate a good old boy network. Um, and of course, during the trial, the information that Dr. Jefferson put in Joe's record many years prior, um, you know, it, it came back to haunt him. Jefferson knew Joe, and he knew that he was not capable of this murder, and that he was he was innocent. But it was extremely difficult for him to explain his words from the years prior in court, which it would be, you know. Oh, yeah. It was not good for Joe. It wasn't good for him at all. He very much tried to make the judge and jury understand Joe's mental capacity and his moral compass. Jefferson knew he was on the stand to try to save his life. So he did have a change of heart. And plus, I don't think Dr. Jefferson ever put anything that wasn't true. It was, they were factual things that he put in there, but it was, it was the thirties. So it was really looked down upon to, to not know that you shouldn't masturbate in front of people. Oh, well, I mean, well, yeah, but we now know it's, a lot of that has to do with your mental mm-hmm. capacity yeah, and, and your intelligence, yeah, IQ, whatever you want to call it. But I, I, how the jury didn't see this is, is what I don't. Because they, oh, well, you know, he wasn't allowed to talk in front of the jury. Remember? They, well, yeah, but you got a doctor saying, okay, these are the things I would, I, regardless of whether or not he's talking. And I, I, as a defense attorney, I'd be like, we're not putting him on the stand because, uh. You may he's, want to change change his mind and put him out there. He ain't right, guys. So <laughs> I, to answer your question, what I yeah. think is that there's so much other evidence, right? Yeah. This Dr. Jefferson was the only one who was trying to oh, yeah, I know. fight for him. Um, and he, he also tried to explain how Joe allowed people to do things to him to, to please them. Mm-hmm. That included the suggestive statements and how his responses could have been incorrectly interpreted. On April 18th, 1937, after three and a half hours, the jury found Joe guilty of murder. As, as it was read, Joe sat still and really had no reaction. He had no idea what was going on, no emotion at all. He I was going to say, he just didn't, he didn't have a clue of what was going on. He didn't. <laughs> now, Joe's on death row. The officers, the warden, and you know all the other doomed prisoners there can really see and understand Joe's mentality. They're spending every single day with him and night. Surprisingly enough, Joe thrives on death row. He truly has no idea what had just happened, and the warden, Roy Best, becomes an advocate for Joe as well. He really comes to life there. Roy Best watched it happen, and during his 18-month stay, um, he did. the warden did everything he could to try to make his time better. He watched Joe polish the metal dinner plates over and over until he could see himself in the plates, like until it was a mirror. Mm -hmm. Then he would make faces in the plate and laugh and talk to himself. What does that sound like? A toddler to you? Yeah, that is. Oh yeah. This is what like, it just kills. Oh yeah. That's like a a small baby behavior. Yeah. Um, After this, 
he buys, he brings in some books with colorful pictures and Joe looks through these books until the pages, pages fell apart. And I don't mean like he flipped through them. Apparently he looked at those pictures so much that the book fell apart within the 18 months that he was there. Mm -hmm. Best brought him scissors. Of course, I don't know that I would give him scissors, but I digress. (laughs) (laughs) Here, kid, here's some scissors. Um, And, you know, he would cut faces out of some pictures. He would hum. He was extremely childlike. He also brought him a bright red car that you would wind up and it would run Mm -hmm. uh, just until, until the wind ran out. And it would flash the little red lights and it would move across the floor. When it hit the cell, Joe would shout and laugh really loudly, car wreck, car wreck. And he could be heard sometimes at two o'clock in the morning, all during the day. That's what he would do. He would color, cut pictures, Mm -hmm. look at his, look at the pictures and he'd play with this wind up car. And then if it bothered any other of these murderers, these hardened serial killers on death row, Nobody said a thing. They just let him play with those cars. God. Best described him, and this is where he he gets that, is the happiest man on death row. Um, And he does get the opportunity to speak to some reporters, and he's trying to get his name out there. He's trying to let people know that he's an advocate for Joe. Mm -hmm. Anytime he could speak to reporters, he would talk about Joe with respect, and he would describe how proud he was that Joe was thriving. Joe was clean. He was never hungry. He wasn't abused, and he wasn't beaten. And it's odd. Right, that the first time he's ever treated, treated. humanely is on. I yeah, that's chills. It's so. On death row. Yeah, that is insane. Meanwhile, <laughs> fucking freaking sheriff Carroll, shitty sheriff Carroll, he receives his letter from the governor congratulating him oh. on great police work, and it makes me sick. I hope his kids couldn't read. <laughs> <laughs> also, there supposedly was some reward money that was issued to. A couple of people. What evs? So it's all. I didn't read that part until the very end. Yeah, yeah we choked on it. I, I like that. Joe. Joe was allowed to speak to reporters, and here are his responses to some of their questions. Again, I really want the listeners to understand where he was mentally. Mm-hmm. Joe, do you want to be killed? First of all, why the hell would you ask somebody <laughs> that? Yes, I would. Please, thank you. Joe, do you want to be killed? No. I want to live with Warden Best. Would you run away if you went back to Grand Junction? I would if the kids were mean to me and beat me. I like it here with Warden Best. God. Now, that was a complete sentence. Um, When asked if he would rather be on death row or free, I want to stay here with Warden Best, but I want to see picture shows. That is so sad and so innocent. You know, it's just innocent, something... Oh, God, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Again, Joe did not fully understand death or execution or life sentence. And once it was explained to him, it would have to be re-explained later. Mm -hmm. In November, Joe almost made it to the gas chamber. It came very close. They were preparing his last meal. They were, and at the time, uh, and I don't know if they do this today, but they would test the gas chamber by putting an an animal, like a pig, in there. Mm -hmm. So that had already happened. They had already... Tested to make sure the gases were lethal. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, I mean, it came down to the wire. um, And then he eventually got the stay. The stay came through. But it wouldn't last long. A few months later, they were preparing Joe's final meal, which was just a bowl of ice cream for the last time. Father Schiller gave Joe his last rites. And in order for Joe to recite the prayer, 
The father, the father had to say it very slowly, which was our father. And then he would repeat our father who art, who art. So it was a slow process. Well, yeah. Cause he had no idea. He, he probably didn't remember that prayer. He probably never heard of it, but (laughs) I mean, you, you guys get it. He can't Mm -hmm. remember any more than that. Mm -hmm. Warden Best read Joe's death warrant and asked Joe if he understood. You know, he responded, he was sitting on his bunk. He said, they're killing me. Mm -hmm. They give the go ahead to head to Woodpecker Hill. And Joe wants to take his toy train with him. (sighs) They had to talk him out of it. And they gave it to another death row. I mean, this just makes me emotional. Um, Warden Best tried explaining death to him again. Joe never really got it, but did understand that he could not take his toys. Best also had to suggest to to Joe to say goodbye to his friends. The officers and the death row prisoners had all become really close to him, and they've become friendly. He shook hands and smiled. Many of these true hardened criminals could not even speak, and they had tears in their eyes. The warden asked Joe what he planned to do when he got to heaven. At one time, Joe wanted to raise chickens, but he he changed his mind um, based on a conversation that he had with Father Father Schiller, and then he decided that when he got to heaven, he wanted to play the harp. Oh, my gosh. Joe entered the gas chamber, grinning um, as the guard prepped him, and as a distraction, Father Schiller and Joe recited the Lord's Prayer again. He stepped into the room, still smiling, and immediately sat in the chair with only shorts and socks on. His grin left his face when the black badge was placed over his eyes. But Warden Best took his hand and told him everything was going to be okay. And they strapped him in. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, this is really, really sad. It is. I, I, I But you know what? He was so... It's no, almost like they took a six-year-old to yeah, the Yeah, they did. And he didn't know what was going on. And in and, and all honesty, Carrie, it's... Like, I literally have tears in my eyes. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> he he didn't know what was going on, which is good. I didn't think about it like that. You know, I mean, he wasn't yeah. feeling any pain. He didn't know what was going on. And, it, you know, ignorance is bliss. And in this case... That's a perfect... It's, it's perfect. Perfect example. For him to be ignorant. So I'll restate that because I choked up a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, the grin left his face when they put the black badge. They put the badge over his eyes. Warden Best grabs his hand. And he's telling him everything's going to be okay as they're strapping him in. All the officials left the, left the gas chamber except for Father Schiller. Um, and he stayed to the very last minute reciting uh, the prayer with him. And with tears in his eyes, uh, he told him goodbye and then once he left, the still door was closed, and Joe Arity was put to death for crimes that he did not commit. Oh, man. I, I know I just got chills. Uh, that is probably the saddest Isn't it? Like, look. damn case <laughs> that we have had. And, oh, <clears throat> my, that that's one that's going to stay with me. I, when, when it, it took me a a lot to figure out how I wanted to word this and wrap this. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I tell you I had to put this Down, away yeah. because it, man, it just, it hurt my heart. It is. It, well, and it's, it, 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 we should be ashamed. Agreed. As a society. Yeah. That I can't believe I'm crying. Over, I'm not crying, but you know. Well, and I don't understand how they got that far. Um, everybody knows he's incapable of, of this murder. Right. Why did they continue to let him 
be on death row or 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 to even move forward with killing him. It's, it's I I don't get it. Baffling. It it's is just baffling to me. So oh. that is the end of part two of. Joe Arity. And again, this was a request from one of our listeners, Rusty. And so, uh, yeah, thank thanks, you again. Rusty. Yes. Thank you so much, Rusty, for this. I, I mean, said it with attitude, but you know, yeah. <laughs> only because you made her cry. I, <laughs> and I'm like sitting here awkwardly, like, stop crying. It's, um, it I'm was just, just, it was just <laughs> extremely sad because I just, yeah. I couldn't see his face. I could just see a six year old going to the gas chamber. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, hope I did him justice. Rusty, thanks so much, you guys, for listening. That's all I've got for this one. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yes, um, and I will be doing Ed Gein. I'm excited. I, I am not happy that this is going to be a two-part. Yeah, it's two parts, but um, just Only because I want to, like, you know, I'm like, this guy's disgusting. Oh, it's, it's crazy, but it... it, it, it yeah, it's going to be a wild ride. So yeah. tune in next week. And in the meantime, you guys have a fabulous week. Thanks, guys. Hope it doesn't snow. Hope it doesn't snow. Bye. 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 This episode of Status Macabre is recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode is produced and engineered by Neek the Geek, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio. To support the show, please visit statusmacabre.com for links to social media, merchandise, and more. Special thanks to Muff the Producer, Neek the Geek, Barrett Gruber, and you, our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thank you for listening.